Have a seat, everybody. Kids can uh, go ahead and be dismissed to Sunday school this morning. That's really cool. I know that uh, Amy just prayed, but would it be okay if I prayed too? Would that be all right? Thank you. I was looking for some audible permission. Um, God, I thank you for this morning. Father, I pray. God, I pray now. Uh, I just want to tell you that I'm completely dependent upon you, God. I acknowledge that before you and before these people, Father. God, I pray that you would just meet with us and dwell with us, Father, and teach us about who you are. God, guide our thoughts, guide our words, guide guide us, Father, and pray that you would bind the enemy. Allow us to see you and know you this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, um, there's nothing that really specific is going on, but I just feel completely distracted in my, my spirit this morning. Um, like a bunch of stuff is just life is... Is happening. So, uh, as you guys were singing that last song, I spent most of it back there just praying, and just the word dependence was just flowing over me, flowing over me. Dependence, God, I'm dependent upon you. God, I'm dependent upon you. Um, and the sermon this morning has absolutely nothing to do with that, but it's just wrestling with, with me that we are, we are dependent upon Him. Uh, so let's. Uh, I, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Maybe it's something that God needs to tell you right now. Uh, maybe it's something that God needed to tell me five minutes ago. Uh, but we are absolutely in every way dependent upon him. And when we begin to think that we're not, we're in for trouble. Um, so uh, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians today. Um, and buckle in because we're doing the whole thing. From beginning to end. Um, very excited about that. Um, the, as, as Dave and I kind of began to think through this Unleashed Church thing, uh, this week, the third week, is about uh, purpose and our purpose. And uh, I think a lot of us wrestle with, with what our purpose is. What is our purpose? And if I ask you to write down your purpose in a couple of sentences, Maybe you could, maybe you couldn't. Um, and so as I'm thinking through this, the idea is that the, the Spirit gives us our purpose. And uh, like, if you're hoping for like, me to tell you what your purpose is, it's not going to happen this morning. Um, but I believe that the book of Ephesians does a really good job of helping us to understand how we go about finding our purpose. Uh, there's not a better chunk of Scripture than what we find in Ephesians for understanding 
what the church is supposed to be and who we are as the church to go and be the church in our worlds. And so as a result, we're going to look through Ephesians 1 through 6, all of it this morning. And we're going to kind of get a big picture view of each chapter and then zoom in on a few verses in each chapter. But before we do that, I want to kind of lay out this metaphor um, that I believe Paul is kind of getting at and, and will kind of help us to, to grasp the whole of the book of Ephesians and, and for that matter what the Holy Spirit is doing for us as making up of the church. Um, imagine a house, and this is really easy for me uh, to imagine because it happened to me. Imagine a house with nothing in it, just four walls, no roof, no interior walls, nothing, a, a basement and an upstairs. Just imagine that. Um, it's easy for me. Uh, we've got some new folks. Some, you may not know my house was hit by a tornado a couple years ago and wound up with basically four walls and a subfloor remaining. And so I've got this image in my head very clearly. Um, and a lot of you were participating in some of that, helping to clean up and, and saw and a lot of the pictures that were posted online and stuff of what it was. So get that image in your mind of a, a house with no roof and a subfloor and a basement. No interior walls. Everything is kind of nasty, dirty. This is us, right? And Christ provides for us our foundation. So we have Christ as our foundation. And then, like, the Spirit begins to become the framework of the walls that are inside the house, okay? Imagine a house with framed-in rooms without like drywall or plaster or anything on these rooms, okay? This is the role of the Spirit to begin to inform us as to how we are to build our walls, all right? And then that becomes sort of our practical walking around the earth purpose, how we're going to assign the walls. Like we're going to move like this wall over here, that's going to be our dining room. And this wall, this room here, these Framed in wood beams create for us our living room. And this one is our kitchen and our dining room and our bedroom and our bathroom and all these things. And, and for me, it's really easy to see because I actually got to witness that. Guys were laying the, the footers and the headers and then they put the beams up in my house and they created the archways and all those things were, were happening. And here, here's the thing for us. I think we have the, the, in this little metaphor, we have the assignment of putting the the drywall onto the walls and then deciding what colors we're going to paint them and deciding what we're going to, how we're going to decorate these rooms, how we're going to put the the furniture in these rooms and all that. We have, that becomes sort of our practical purpose. But here's the thing. I think a lot of us wind up with all this drywall and all this paint and all this furniture and we don't really connect with the fact that the framework from which we are to place those things is given to us by the Spirit. So what we wind up with is a room, a house, with no walls in it and no frames in it and just a bunch of paint and drywall and stuff laying around. And like, we, here's, this is, like this metaphor has been in my brain all week and I've been thinking about it and how this begins to, how does this take shape in the mind of 
of the people that I'm going to be speaking to this week. It's, and so it's something that was a disconnect for me. But ultimately, here's, here's where, that, where that lies. Here's the, here's the punchline that so many of us, myself included, walk around this earth feeling that way. Like we just have a bunch of drywall and paint laying around. And we don't, what am I doing? Like I wake up and I go to work. And I come home and I have dinner. And then I spend a little bit of time with my kids. And, but why? What, what is, why? What is happening? What is the purpose of my life? And you like, are, like do you wind up in these sort of ruts where you're, you kind of just kind of step back and gain perspective and go like, what in the world is happening here? What is, why do I do these things? What's happening? And I like, I think about, you guys, and I think about pastoring a church, and I think about raising children and trying to, to love my wife, and, and all those things are the drywall and the paint, but how do they fit together to create the church? And that's the framework of that. The, listen, the framework of that, how you assemble your house is given to you by the Holy Spirit. So like when, when you find yourself in those ruts, and this is, a, this is a truth that I've kind of come upon this week. When you find yourself in those ruts, the answer is to dive into the Spirit of God. So let's, let's read Ephesians. And we're going to... Big picture chapters... Zoom in on a couple of verses in each one of the chapters. So, Ephesians 1. We're going to look here. The foundation of Christ. The gifts that we have in Christ. Again, Christ is our foundation. And the Holy Spirit is the framework of our lives. Christ is the foundation. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. And the first few verses that we'll read will be on the screen behind me. When we get to verse 4, we're going to take it. Or chapter 4, we're going to be a big chunk. So, We'll look at that specifically. Verse 5. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Okay. Go back to the, the house metaphor. Tornado comes, destroys like my house, but the, the foundation, the basement, didn't, wasn't shaken. The, 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 the brick walls weren't shaken. They were strong, secure. This is who we, what we have in Christ. Like, they, they can't ever be changed. And, and I hope, if you've been here very long, you've heard Dave and I preach over and over and over and over again the, the security of who you have and what you have in Christ. It's unshakable. Circumstances cannot dictate to you what your foundation is to you. Jesus calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. That word truth is a Greek word, aletheia, which means true under any matter of consideration. It can't be shaken. Who Christ is and what he has done for you cannot be shaken. And Paul, as he's laying out in his treatise to the church, specifically a church in Ephesus, a city called Ephesus, we could go visit it today. It's in modern-day Turkey. We could go there today and see 
the, the area, the geography of, of who Paul was preaching to. But ultimately, this is a book, this is a letter designed for us to be able to know how to be as a church. And he starts it foundationally with teaching you and I what we have in Christ. And what we have in Christ is an unshakable, firm foundation that cannot be moved by any circumstance of life. Go back. Verse 5. He predestined us for adoption. Those are big words filled with theological meaning that seminary people sit in rooms and argue with each other about predestination, adoption, all those things. We're not going to concern ourselves with that. We're going to concern ourselves with the practicality of what this means for us. We have them through Christ, through Jesus Christ. This is who has given it to you and what you have according to the purpose of his will. According to happens a lot in scripture, but ultimately it just means it is what it is. Because of who Jesus is and because of what is in him, we have this. So he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Because he has a will, Christ happened. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. You and I, I've, I've said this many times to you all in counseling times and in preaching times, that you are to the praise of his glorious grace. What has happened, the foundation that's set in you is to the praise of his glorious grace. And as we, let's kind of back up here and see big picture again, 40,000 feet. People around you are paying attention to this, to this foundation that you have in Christ. And you become a billboard. The foundation that you have in Christ becomes a billboard to people around you. And that's purpose. Part of your purpose is that you will be for the praise of his glorious grace. So that people would pay attention to how great God is and what he's done and how he's foundationally changed who you are. Go back to verse 6. With which he has blessed us in the beloved. And here, verse 7 is some specific stuff about, again, a possession that we have because of Christ. And it's firm, solid. Verse 7. In him... In Christ, we have redemption. We need to stop and think about that. You possess redemption. When you're confused about purpose and where that starts from, it starts from the possession that you, it's yours. And it's redemption. The brokenness that was in you has been changed, it's been redeemed, it's been given a purpose. How did that happen? It happened through his blood. In him we have redemption through his blood. We also possess forgiveness of our sin. You possess forgiveness of your sin. When we're trying to come to grips with our purpose and what in the world we're doing here, foundationally it starts with the knowledge of what we possess. And you and I possess redemption, and you and I possess forgiveness. Don't be confused. How do we possess this forgiveness? It is according to the riches of his grace. Because God has grace, you have forgiveness. Those according to's are just fantastic. Let's skip now to to chapter 2. And... See what's there. Chapter 2, the foundation of Christ 
the gospel of Christ. Jump down to, to verse 4. There's, there's so much here. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is, is the gospel in a couple of paragraphs. But let's get specific here and deal with verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, and again, as we're seeking out our purpose, the foundational principle that we have to be aware of is that God loves you. And it seems like trivial, like I need to be having a, a children's sermon right now, telling kids that God loves them. Like I say that to my kids all the time, God loves you. But Paul is, is mapping out for a church an early church, how to be an early church. And the foundational thing that he, he's not going to move past until they understand is this. God loves you. Why does he love you? Because of who he is. He doesn't have to decide to love. Because he's got mercy in him, he loves. Like, I never had to decide to love my children God never had to decide to love you. And the, the, the thing that's just mind-blowing is we know who we are. We know the sin that dwells in us. God loves you. God loves every bit of you. God doesn't love a future version of you. He loves this version of you. Verse 5. And this is the gospel in a verse. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive. He made us alive together through Christ. By grace you have been saved. When you're struggling with trying to find purpose, go back to your foundation and understand who you are. Even when you were dead in your trespasses, even when there was nothing attractive to you, about you, nothing attractive about you, God loved you then, in the middle of that. And from that foundation rises your purpose. Like, visualize. Some of, some of you who were around when the tornado hit my house and watched and saw the, it actually happen. Visualize that four brick walls without a roof, with nothing, with nothing in, the, in the house at all, but strong. Like a tree this big fell on the house. And it, nothing happened. The roof fell apart. The, the walls had to come down because they were destroyed. But the foundation remained. The walls Remained. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This is the foundation of who we are. Skip over to, to verse, the chapter 3. And here's Paul beginning to transition from our foundation to the framework. But Paul's spending some time, chapter 3 is about preparing to build out these walls in our, inside of our house, the rooms 
Paul is preparing that foundation. Verse, or chapter 3, verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power to me. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul's single purpose is found here. And he's about to help us understand what our purpose is and how we find our purpose and how we go about life with our purpose. Paul point blank explains his purpose. God gave him the gospel, a guy who wasn't worthy of speaking the gospel. I connect with that. Not worthy of speaking the gospel, but somehow, by the grace of God, given the gospel to minister. And this is a word like, I wish we would use the word administer. I, don't, I haven't done an, a word study of administer and minister, but, but really, what Paul is talking about here is what, the understanding that we have of administer, administration. He's passing it out. And this is Paul's purpose, foundationally in the gospel, in who Christ is and what he did, and his sin overcame, his, Paul's sin was overcome by the gospel so that he could go and pass out the gospel to people who had never heard the gospel, Paul's purpose. And this is foundationally what Paul has for us. Skip over to verse 14, and he begins to pray. Specifically, he's praying for the people that go to a, a building in Ephesus and, and gather together as the called-out church. We can apply this to us, Paul praying for us. For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, there's that according to, because of just who he is, that flowing out of who he is would be this, that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Like Paul is, is beginning to make the preparations for the framework to pop up into your house that's going to become your purpose. And it's found there in Paul praying that the Spirit would be in you. How many times do you pray for yourself or those around you that the Spirit would be in them? That's not a prayer that, I, that even dawns on me very often. But Paul is telling the church how to be the church, about to tell them what their purpose is. And in the middle of that, foundation, and then he prays for them, laying the beginning work stages so that this framework can begin to happen. And he says, I pray that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That might be something good to pray. God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for your spirit that dwells in us, Father. And I pray now that as we wrestle with your Holy Spirit, God, and the new thoughts that we're all thinking, 
God, I pray that we would each be strengthened with power by the Spirit in our inner being, God. Make that true of us. Strengthen us with power by the Spirit in our inner beings, Father. And God, encourage us to speak that prayer, to acknowledge that prayer consistently. It's in Christ's name. Chapter 4. Here it is. Our purpose. Our Our purpose, it is Christ-founded and Spirit-fueled. Pardon the alliteration. I hate that. But your purpose is Christ-founded and Spirit-fueled. And here we find it. Paul has just spoken this prayer that we read the, the first little bit of. Then he goes in Ephesians 4 and starts with, I therefore, all that praying that I just did, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Fundamentally, the first portion of your purpose is to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Worthy is a Greek word, axios, which means of equal weight. Your calling is Christ-likeness. We are to walk in a manner, your purpose is to walk in a manner of equal weight to 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 that calling. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. What's your purpose? To be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to bear with one another in love, and to be eager to maintain unity in the Spirit and the bond of peace. This is, this is your, like, and here, here's the problem with this, is when I'm, when I'm, wanted to preach this sermon today. I wanted to have something very practical, very tangible. Okay, your purpose is to go and do this. That's not here. What's here is Paul is teaching us about the framework that the Spirit is. He shapes and creates the walls inside of you. And then how he has worked you out, how he has Gifted you personality-wise and gifting-wise and all of that stuff, that's the drywall. That's the paint that you get to put on how you want to put on. But fundamentally, your purpose is found foundationally in Christ and then fueled by and like the bones, the structure, the backbone of it. How it takes its shape is formed by the Spirit. And it's found here. With humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So the leanings that you have, the giftings, the, how your, your, your being just kind of drifts, that's, that's given to you by God to put on the walls that he's created. And those walls that he's created are from the Spirit 
and they look like humility. They look like gentleness. They look like patience. They look like bearing with one another in love. They look like eager to maintain unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Do you see that? You're picking that up? Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. All of that is, is, is bringing us around, centering us around this one thing that we are in this together. Everybody that we encounter, especially within a particular church, we're pulling together in, in different ways and different ideas, coming together, decorating our houses differently, but our house is still framed out by the Spirit of God. Skip to uh, chapter 5. And a lot of, a lot of chapter 4 is, is how to operate inside of a church and the, the gifts that God has given to the church and all those things and, and, and all the stuff that, that connects with that. And then verse chapter 5, he's beginning to get practically, specifically, individually about each one of the people that are there. Verse 18. Actually, let's go back to verse 15. Let's start in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Do I need to like, talk about current events to see how the evil that's present in the world? No, there's evil around us always. So don't be foolish. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Again, trying to figure out what our purpose is. Verse 18 gives you the pathway to finding your purpose. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Like, this is, be controlled by the Spirit as being drunk with wine can control you. And this is, this fuels your purpose. Like, Scripture isn't going to say, okay, Haley, here's what you're supposed to do with the next six years of your life. But Scripture is supposed to say, the Spirit will guide you. Connect with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And then all that stuff takes care of itself. Stop worrying about it and connect to the Spirit. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is... The theme of Ephesians. Connection to the Spirit. And, and all throughout it is a capital S Spirit. The Holy Spirit that provides for us the fuel from which we go and spend our lives. Let's go back. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. How do you know what your purpose is? How do you know what you're supposed to be doing today, tomorrow, in the coming days, coming weeks. Connect to the Spirit. 
How do I connect with the Spirit? We said it. I know I've said it last Thursday in our thing, and I said it last Sunday. I'll say it again. Practice spiritual disciplines. Pray. Read your Bible. Live in community. Listen to the Word of God preached. Memorize Scripture. Pray. Did I say that one already? Pray. Like, we get, we is a pronoun of which I'm a part, we. So I'm, I'm confessing before you, this is me and you. We get so consumed with trying to understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is that you would draw close to him. The pathway to draw close to him is the Spirit. He's given it to you as a gift so that you might know him. And out of that relationship flows what it is that you hang on the walls in your house. What it is that you busy your life with. Without connection to the Spirit, you can't know it and you're going to flounder. Then let's read 19, 20, 21, because it kind of begins to, to speak to us. The immediate impact of being filled with the Spirit is this. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Like connectivity to the Spirit, understood purpose, just brings joy to you and makes you happy. Even this, this is what, what's weird. Like, I find myself melancholy a lot. And so I, I, I wrestle with, what does that mean? Does that mean I don't have this sort of joy that it's talking about? That there's a melody in my heart? No. Like, like connectivity to the Spirit brings a happiness that can't be defined by a smile on my face. Does that make sense? And this is what the Spirit brings to you. This is the paint that you're putting on the wall and the framework and the foundation of your house. Hope I'm not beating that metaphor. Keep going in verse 19. Actually, verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Step one is to have joy and be happy. Step two is to be thankful. That is a purpose that you have. When the Spirit dwells in you, thankfulness flows from you. And here's the thing. This sort of person is the kind of person that everybody, if we all go to a Super Bowl party next Sunday night, this is the kind of guy you want to sit around and watch this game with. And just be, just do life with. He's happy. He's grateful. And this is to the praise of his glorious grace. Back when we read before, the effect of the Spirit in you is this. And then the last one, verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ultimately, for me, where God has placed me today is this is a purpose for me. Whenever I'm confused, go back to Ephesians 5.21. 
submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The nuance of this word, of this verse, is that because Christ first submitted to us, we go and submit to the world. That's what out of reverence for Christ is telling us. And that word submitting is the word you've heard me speak hundreds of times. It's hupotasso. To willingly place yourself under another's. So I see a need in you and I give up what I think I need or I want in order to provide for you what you need. Just like Christ did. If you want to know what your purpose is, act like Christ. How did Christ act? He saw a need. He saw an ability to meet that need and he met it. On a big grand scale we call the cross. But that is the the fuel for us. This is our purpose. To take what Christ did and then go and do it. Jesus did it on a big grand scale with lots of suffering and pain and agony and beautiful redemption. And we know it as the cross and resurrection. You might know it as doing the dishes. You might know it as wanting to sit down on a sofa with your wife. Insert Rick in place of you. And instead of doing that, engaging relationally with people. This is purpose. And look, the rest of Ephesians 5 and 6 is just talking about how that works out practically as a husband, as a wife, as a church member, as a parent, as, a, as an employee, as an employer. It practically works verse 21 out, Ephesians five twenty-one. But ultimately, you want to know your purpose. Go to the foundation, reassess the, your understanding of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has died for you. Can't be shaken, can't be changed, can't be moved from you. And understand how you were dead in your trespasses and God gave you his spirit to change you. Then understand that we're praying through that. Paul is is praying us through that, that we might connect with that and understand, see him administering the gospel that gave to him. And then go and hupotasso and see what happens. It's not that difficult. And the beautiful part about all of this is it shines a big, great, bright light on the gospel and on Jesus. And that, that's why we're here. That's why we gather together to understand this, to act this, to be this. Let's pray and sing songs of worship to our creator. God, I thank you for Your son. I thank you for the foundation that you've poured into our lives with the gospel. The death and resurrection of Jesus with whom we have redemption. With whom we have forgiveness. I'm so grateful for that, Father. Father, you've ministered that gospel to my heart and so many others. Father. God, I I pray that you would connect our minds to your purpose through all of this, the foundation of Christ and the fuel of the Spirit. And that would spur us to go and do and be and live as you've called us to.
I thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray.